to say that, you know he's got to be pretty sick because he's not one to, to get sick very often. So pray for him. And I think Kim is over hers, but she uh, you can tell she was pretty tired from it yes, last night. And uh, so pray, pray for them if you would. Um, let's go ahead and read Psalm 34. The psalmist writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lighted, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will, live, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut, them all, uh, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate." Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this afternoon. May it be a help and a blessing to us, an encouragement to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would take the messages that have already been uh, preached this morning, help to engrave them upon our hearts. And uh, Lord, if there's someone here today that uh, was not sure that they were saved or that they had put their faith in you, I pray that you would help them to recall the message. And may your Holy Spirit continue to work and prod their hearts that they would get that matter settled. We thank you for uh, Brendan and Bailey coming to the church today and being um, united with us in fellowship. We thank you for Brendan seeking to uh, follow you in obedience no bab in baptism. And uh, Lord, it's been a wonderful day. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done for us. May we now glorify you in all that we say and do. And, Lord, as we launch out into this week, afresh and anew, with a whole new week laying before us, I pray that you would help us to uh, live in such a way that we are a testimony, that we are able to point men and women to you. We would look for the opportunities that you give to us to be able to be a help to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, the psalmist writes at the onset of this particular psalm, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He goes on to tell in the uh, psalm later as he goes down through here some of the reasons why his praise would be before the Lord at all time. And we're living in a time where uh, I uh, am appalled at how many uh, people that name the name of Christ and that say I'm a Christian, they 
tell people they go to church, and um, you get around them, and they're some of the most sour people you've ever met. You ever met anybody like that? Um, they, they just, you don't ask them how they're feeling, you're afraid they might tell you. And, um, and, and I wonder often if the attitude that our world has against our Savior is not in a large part, some of the responsibility of it, in other words, is ours. Uh, because I believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that you and I are to be the ambassadors for Christ. We're the ones that are sent into the, into the pilgrimage, into the foreign land, if you will, to represent Him. And we're, we're, in, uh, we're given the great joy and the privilege, I think, and, and I don't ever want us to do it grudgingly or feel that we're guilted into living this way, but it ought to be one of the great thrills of our heart to live in such a way that we are an example of the Lord Jesus Christ to those that are lost. When people look at us and see us, and we say, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe that Christ died for my sins and has given me a home in heaven for all of eternity. Uh, can I say, we ought not say that with a frown on our face. We ought, to, we ought not to, to tell people about this with no emotion at all, as if it's just some commonplace thing. But I think there ought to be a sense of urgency. There ought to be a sense of, of um, wonderment that we have. And, it, and I'm not saying we need to drum this up and do it artificially. If we can't get any more excited about our salvation than that, then we need to check up on our salvation. We need to say, Lord, restore, restore something in me that's missing there. And I understand there's times that we can be saved and lose some of our joy. But I hope and pray that in the day that we live, we can say as the psalmist, I will bless the Lord at all times. Whether I'm going through trials or not, I'm going to bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He goes on in verse number 2 to say this, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And we've taught on this a lot lately, but uh, it's important that we lift the Lord Jesus Christ up. I've, I've tried to be careful that we don't take the preeminence in the process of doing that. But I don't want to preach on that so much that we start saying, well, then I'm worried about lifting Him up. I'm worried about praising God. Because the truth is, we are to praise God. It is in our Bible. I'm not worried about that phrase. I'm not scared of that subject, that we ought to be praising God. There ought to be times that we are vocal about these things. I just think that when we do it, it needs to be something. I don't want to say that I think this. I believe the Bible teaches this. That when we do it, that we do it in such a way that it is Christ-centered praise. That when we praise Him, we're lifting Him up to people, not us up to people. And very, very important that we understand this. Um, as he goes on down here, he begins to talk about uh, some of the things that he's excited about that he's going to praise the Lord. And in verse number 3, he makes this statement. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. I love that word magnify. Uh, we're to take and make it as large as it can possibly be. We get out here and, and we talk, I, I said a few moments ago, uh, sometimes we contribute to the attitude that this world has against our, uh, towards our God. Because we do, not, we do not express Him in the way that He is to this world. For some reason, in our minds, oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll begin to, to put Him into, into terms and into thoughts and into ways that we can manage Him in our own hearts and our own thoughts. 
I have a God that the Bible says His ways are far above my ways. And His thoughts are far above my thoughts. I have a God that talks about the fact that He is not able to be comprehended. That we, we as God's people, one of the things we're to strive for is to try to comprehend what is the height and depth and breadth of our God. And I hope that we understand this, that when we tell people about God, that we not, we not put Him in small terms, in small phrases. I used to, when I was a young person, uh, and we would go out knocking on doors or soul winning, I did it because I had to, because I was supposed to, because I felt like uh, we'd go out on teen visitation when I was a teenager. And I would do it, and I would go, and I would go willingly, but it was because it was what was expected of me, what I thought I needed to do. And there were, I don't know how many times I tried to share the gospel with somebody, and there was no joy in it. There was no, uh, there was no enthrallment, there was no awe of God when I was trying to tell them about this God that they needed to trust in. And I look back and almost with shame at how I presented my God that I trusted in, that I believed in, to somebody who needed to trust in Him and believe in Him. I had not magnified Him. I had not lifted Him up. I had gone to them and, and it was just going through the motions. We had the Romans. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a plan. I think the Romans Road is a great place to start. But we would just go through the motions of the Romans Road. We'd read all the verses. We would say the things we were supposed to say. And then at the end of the, the presentation, we would try to get them to pray and say uh, a prayer to get saved. And I'll be real frank with you, there was no greatness and there was no joy in that. I, I tolerated serving the Lord that way. When I began to see God as He really was, when He began to uh, be something of greatness in my heart and in my mind, all of a sudden we began to start saying things to people and it's just natural. We can say as the psalmist, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We can say as the psalmist, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let, let's talk about Him together. Let, let's, let's, ex, let's be excited about what God has done and, and the things that He offers to this uh, sinful world. The fact that a holy God would even bother Himself with the concerns of this world ought to give us enough reason to praise Him from now till eternity. And yet so oftentimes we hold our tongues, we hold our peace. Oftentimes we uh, don't have that sense of, uh, of, of worship about ourselves as we talk to those around us and as we live around those around us. He gives some reasons here. I want us to look very quickly at a couple of these. And verse number 4 I think is one of the great reasons of praising God. I think in my life I, I never get over this fact. I, I love this fact. But the psalmist says this, I sought the Lord, and I love this phrase, and He heard me. To me, that is one of the greatest miracles of the Christian life, that God hears me. And the Bible says, the psalmist said this, He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lighted, and their faces were not ashamed. Can I tell you this? When God has His rightful place in our hearts, when we've magnified Him, when we've praised Him, when we have Him in the right place in our inner man, I will say this, that we cannot do anything other than show people who He is. Jesus said it this way in His Sermon on the Mount. He said that men may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. When people look at me, when people look at you, do they see Jesus Christ? Or do they see somebody who says, I'm a member at such and such church, or I'm Keith the Heights Baptist Church, let's say. Or I'm a Christian, and then we don't live like it. 
Or are we someone who is so enamored by God, so in love with God, walking with God, enthralled by His presence in our life, that when people get around us, they think, boy, what a great God they have. The psalmist says this in verse number 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. There certainly is reason enough to praise God. We're saved this morning. He says in verse number 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. We have reason to praise God. And I would say this, as we come across these things that God has done for us, we always come back to the fact that we need to magnify the Lord in our lives. When it comes time for us to go to our business throughout the week, we're around people. Do they see God in us? Do they say, boy, there's something unusual about that person. There's something different there. The Bible says that they were called Christians first at Antioch. And the reason they were called Christians is the people in the area looked at them and they said they act like Christ did. And they used the term Christians, little Christs, the Christ ones, to, in a derogatory sense, to try to identify them with the Lord Jesus Christ. We use that term 2,000 years later, but I wonder how accurate it is today. I'm saved, I know I'm saved and on my way to heaven, but the term Christian ought to be something someone else gives me, not I give myself. The term Christian ought to be something that people look at me and say, that's a Christian there, that's a Christ one, that's the one that looks like Christ, he acts like Christ, he talks like Christ. Why? Because I'm his ambassador. My purpose on earth at this point in my life is to magnify Him, to lift Him up and let Him draw the lost to Him. My, my purpose of existence at this point is to go out those doors into a dark world and hold up the light of the glorious gospel and don't hide it, but to make it shine into all the house. To be a city that is set on a hill. And I'll tell you, I think we're living in some days where Christians have faltered in this area. We've not been the salt. We've not been the light. We've not been the city that is set on the hill. We talk about God in our circles and we praise God in our churches. And we sit in fellowship and talk about the things of the Lord. We'll call each other and we'll text each other and we'll talk about scriptures. And I've, I love that. I think that's a wonderful thing in a church. But we've got to get outside the walls of this place and do it in a dark world. We need to lift Him up and magnify Him wherever we go. And it ought not be something that we feel obligated to do. It ought not be something that we have to force ourselves to do. But it ought to be just a natural outpouring and outflowing of what we think of God on the inner, inner man. How much we love Him. How, how much we walk with Him and spend time with Him in His Word. He says in verse number 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I tell you this? That is the secret to magnifying Him. We will never magnify Him the way that we ought until we have personally tasted of Him. Until we have personally spent that time. I, I like in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 when... Uh, God was giving the law to Moses and he tells the fathers that they are to teach their children. And yet it tells, them, it tells us in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 that these were things that were in the hearts of the fathers first. And then they taught their children. Can I tell you this? There are a lot of people I think in our Christian circles, if we're not careful, 
that because it's what we're supposed to do, it's what's expected of us, we go through the motions of serving God. The Bible words it this way, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That maybe there's something missing on the inside. There have been times that trying to tell somebody about the things of the Lord or the gospel has been awkward for me. I've been uneasy with it. If we were to go around the room and give testimony, I'm sure probably all of us could give instances where it's been uh, a difficult thing. Or maybe we've not said anything because we felt embarrassed to do so. Or we felt timid about doing so. I tell you this, that I think that the Bible teaches very clearly that we need to live in such a way that it is one of the most natural things in the world to just magnify God to those that are lost. We preached in the morning service that our life is a vapor. We don't have much time. And God has given us this wonderful ministry of taking the most precious thing that He has and sharing it with the lost and dying world. I wonder how well we are at doing that. I know that we have a church here that loves to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Not Hardly a week goes by that somebody doesn't tell me about an opportunity that God gave them. About passing out tracts or telling the gospel to somebody. But can I encourage us in this that we don't make it just an outward action. But that it becomes part of what we are on the inside. He goes on to say, as we get down further, in verse number 13, he says, verse number uh, 15, I'm sorry, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. Uh, we need to live in such a way that we magnify Him and understand that God sees everything that we do. We need to live with eternity in mind. Sometimes we go about our life and we think, well, this is, you know, God doesn't see this, or we don't even give any thought to God. Understand this that the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, are upon the righteous. That, that's an amazing thought uh, that God sees us. And not only does He see us, but the Bible says His eyes are upon us. Look back two chapters to uh, Psalm 32. I, I love this thought, and it goes along with verse number 15 here. The psalmist says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee, notice this, with mine eye. <laughs> That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Uh, first of all, that God has offered to instruct us and teach us in the way. I'm thankful we have a God that teaches us. But notice this, it says this, I will guide thee with mine eye. What a peculiar statement. What a peculiar statement. There are two things I think that this teaches, and I think we ought to understand this and then we'll be done. I think all of us can remember when we were kids, the look. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there were some times that we would look at our parents and they'd give us the look. I sat in church and I was one of those Dennis the Menace guys, always fidgety. Couldn't sit still in church. How hard I tried, how hard I tried and just couldn't do it. And uh, my mom would give me the look. And uh, when the look happened in church, that meant that's the last time. If it happens again, there's no more looks, now it's the belt. And so I learned the look really, really well. There's two things I think that are very, very important. Number one, God looks at us. He sees us. He sees us. 
Interesting thing about the look. A stranger can give you the look and it doesn't mean anything. But when the look has an effect, it's because we've drawn so close to that person that we know what that look means. Some of y'all can look at me and give me this mean stare and look and I'll be like, what? <laughs> but if my mom gives me the look, to this day I know exactly what she means. She didn't even have to say it. You know why? Because I'm closer to her. Can I tell you this, that if God is going to guide us with His eye, not only does He see us, but in order for it to be effective, we need to be close to Him. We need to understand Him. The second thing it teaches this is not only does He look at us and guide us with His eye, but in order for Him to guide us with our eye, His eye, we have to look at Him. You ever notice that? I mean, I can give my kids the look all day long, but if they're, they have their back to me, that's going to be useless, isn't it? It's not going to guide me. When the psalmist gets to verse 8 in chapter number 32, the 32nd Psalm, it's interesting to me that he felt so close to God that he thought, God, you can guide me with just the look. It brings us to verse number 15 in chapter 34, the 34th Psalm, when it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Why? Because he's guiding us with his eye. They're upon the righteous. He sees you. He is vastly interested in you. You know, this is an amazing thing to me. We all love the promises of God. But oftentimes, we don't like to keep the principles of God in order to get those promises. Uh, a lot of things that God does, He does conditionally. His eye is watching everything that we do. I think one of the great regrets when we get to heaven is going to be the understanding, the realization of all that God wanted to do in our lives that we hindered Him from doing. Simply because our eyes were not upon Him. We weren't watching Him. We weren't close to Him. We weren't walking with Him. He says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. He says this in verse 17, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Can I encourage you in this? If I'm going to do verse number 3, if I'm going to magnify the Lord, I think I need to be aware of these two things. Number one, God sees me. And number two, I need to be able to see Him. I need to be able to see Him. Without either one of those two, you and I will not be able to magnify the Lord. We're just not going to. If I'm going to have Him guide me with His eye, then I need, to, I need to be very near to His heart. I need to understand His mind. I need to be close in communion with Him. You say, Brother Greg, how do we get to know God that well? He lets us know Him right here. The more we read it, the more we study it, the more we see not just the Word of God, but we begin seeing the God of the Word. We begin seeing Him in its pages. The more of a difference it will make when we go out into this dark, dark world and magnify Him before a lost world. Folks, we don't have a lot of time left. I, I love the fact that God gives us the opportunity every week 
every day, refreshed a new day to be able to take His message, His testimony. I get to be His ambassador that day to people who need to meet Him. Can we say as the psalmist, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Let's do it. Let's keep our eyes upon Him and keep His eyes upon us. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, a simple truth and certainly nothing that's new, but something that oftentimes we need to be reminded of. Lord, may we learn to magnify You. May we keep these two valuable truths in mind, that in order to be guided by Your eye, we need to be in close communion with You, and we need to keep our eyes and our gaze fastened upon You. May we walk every day. May our lifestyle and our conversation be marked with the character of a person who views life in light of eternity. That we understand the world that we live in. We understand its darkness, its need for a Savior. And so, Father, help us to not just go through the motions of serving You, not just make ourselves or obligate ourselves to go through a plan of salvation, but that we would in our heart of hearts be overflowing to tell people in this world to be excited and be part of who we are, to magnify You, to lift You up, to be able to draw men to You and introduce them to You. Father, may it be just the natural outpouring of what You've done on the inside of our hearts. And may we be able to say as the psalmist, O magnify the Lord with me to one another, to edify and encourage one another in this area, that we would exalt Your name together. Bless us as we're dismissed, and I pray that you would keep us safe till we come back again throughout this week. May you give us opportunity throughout uh, tomorrow and Tuesday as we get ready for the Wednesday night services. May we come rejoicing, bringing sheaves with us, the fruit that you've allowed us to be able to be a part of. May we be looking for those opportunities this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.